Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October 19th, 2014. Now I hope you're all hanging on to your sanity as we go through all these massive cultural and social changes, legal changes and all the rest of things are coming down the pike on everyone. Because remember, this is the century of change. You keep forgetting that this is the century of change. That's what it was called in the 20th century through academia, uh, because the big boys at the top knew what was coming down the pike, where experts and scientists and of all kinds would be in charge of running the world on behalf of their masters who keep them awfully well padded on their big grants that they get. And they manage all of the general population. You know, the failures, the ones who didn't get up to that class of uh, and system, because that's really what you're in. It's a new kind of scientific class system that you're living in today. And you're in a post-consumerist uh, society, as you've been taught in, to go into austerity. Uh, and many other changes too coming down the pike, as I say. But I hope you're all surviving it and holding on to that sanity as we are rushed through it, of course. Because, you see, there's so much to change. Remember, they've got 100 years to finish the whole agenda. And they've got a massive list of things they've got to do to really condition the whole of society into a completely new way of thinking. And even some of those ways of thinking about different things have to be altered maybe five or six times according to the, to the period in this century, to suit the agenda and, and then upgrade them again to the next step and the next step and so on until you'll have many opinions over uh, your span of your life uh, and many generations will constantly change their opinions because we're given our opinions by our betters, you see. It's quite simple. There's nothing really fantastic about it because there's been so much documentation and books churned out about it for well over 100 years uh, when the big boys in eugenics, etc., and the the Nova Rich that joined uh, what they thought was a, a, an elite, they're never really a part of the elites, the Nova Rich, because they don't have the proper breeding, as they say. It takes a while to de- inbreed with them, if they allow you, that is, into them, and before you can come up the, the ladder. That's how the world really is run, and most folk never think about it that way because... You've been trained not to, in fact, you've been trained not to think at all. Just adopt the opinions given to you and your station in life and that whole class of people in that station of life accept the opinions given to you by the media. Very simplistic ones. And they don't have to make much sense to you. Just adopt them and then you don't have any stress. Your mind is made up and, and you have no stress left, you see. You're good, in other words. You've been awfully good. Perfect indoctrination, remember. Perfect indoctrination starts immediately. You're born. And it comes from your parents because they've been generally perfectly indoctrinated. They've never figured things out. They're generally unhappy with their lot in life uh, in many classes, but they never really figure out why. The little things, why? Yeah, they've never got enough cash. Uh, taxes always go up. Uh, money's always devalued because we live in a fake money system, but they don't even know that much. And don't even think about looking into it. They've been trained to look for the paycheck, getting higher once a year. You get the pay increase and your cost of living goes up about 10 or 12 times more each year until you're brought, you're running backwards in actual fact and into austerity. They don't even know that or even why. In fact, bombard, people are bombarded with so many new terms all the time of all these agendas. They, they, they don't, they, they switch off rather than try and keep up and remember anything at all. And because of that, they're easily conned the next time and the next time and the next time.
Now, if you go back far enough with the recorded history you're allowed to peek at, you'll find, I've mentioned before so many times, that Edward Bernays, his name's more popular now because it's been prattled on so many times since by other people that more folk know about him than they did at the time during his lifetime. But anyway, Edward Bernays, of course, is often given the title of the master of uh, manipulation and marketing, manipulating you because being the nephew of Freud, he claims that he understood the mind and the subconscious desires and how to play on those desires in order to sell things, etc. But he also was used by many presidents throughout his lifetime. He lived to a very ripe old age. And he, he actually advised on policies, how to put policies over to the public to be acceptable on behalf of big corporate interests, of course, because government has increasingly, more increasingly, well over 150 years, especially in the States, uh, become more corporate um, and monopoly designed and run and, run and ruled, basically. Because every politician depends on millions now to run and they get it all from big corporations. It's a payoff. We get you in, and this is what you'll do for us while you're in. It's quite simple, folks. All, all this hogwash about maintaining your integrity as you go into politics is just rubbish. It's a Hollywood Disneyland kind of thing that you're brainwashed into believing. Nothing is further from the truth. Everything's got a price in this world, and unfortunately, everything that touches money is corrupt. Uh, and it really is true, because the whole scam of money uh, and the system it is today is utterly corrupt. Uh, there, there have been systems of more honest money where governments did uh, print their own money and they'd actually sell it off to the banks and then they could lend it out, etc. And that paid, uh, for instance, in Canada for many, many years, it paid uh, the cost of the money itself. So there's no debt money as such. It held a steady value in circulation, that dollar. And, uh, and even during the Great Depression, countries came to Canada to find out um, how it was managed so well because every other country had masses of debts piling up with compound interest and borrowing from private banks, whereas the government of Canada at that time actually had a printing system, printed their own money and sold it to the banks debt-free. Uh, so it was off. The worst money today, well, is 40 or maybe even 50 cents today, uh, is to do with paying off uh, interest on the debt of the, to the, to the banks that's borrowed from, basically, that print it all up and give checks to the system that prints it. It's a racket, in other words. And wherever you get something that runs a whole nation and the whole world, something called money, you'll always have corruption anyway. Uh, even if you went back to the old system and, did, and governments did print their own cash up debt-free and put it into circulation and also put it into big building projects, etc. to get it circulated, uh, the big corrupt psychopath types would work their way in until they were in charge of it once more, even if it was government-run. You can't win because there's something that's always persistent in, in society and history and so on, and that's corruption. It's persistent. And the top psychologists for a long, long time have said that it's part of human nature to an extent. Uh, and the philosophers have known this too for, for since ancient times, that power can corrupt, and it certainly does very quickly, especially when the, the powerful psychopaths or psychopaths who become powerful get into the system because they crave power. They seek out the positions, and I think it's almost a, a symbiosis where psychopaths lead and rule the world, and the rest, unfortunately, the, the decent people have to follow and suffer. That's how it seems to be. But anyway, Bernays in World War I 
uh, was given the job of getting America into World War I to create public opinion to get them all on board uh, for 1917. Uh, that's when the U.S. entered uh, World War I. And um, it was so successful that afterwards he and some of his cronies wrote books on how they conned the whole nation. And they're pretty blatant about it, actually, how they had created uh, the system that got world, uh, the U.S. into World War I. And there was a massive amount of flack about it. And therefore, because of the flack and, and the backlash from the public, who, who don't like being conned, even though they go along with the cons, they, uh, uh, they, they had various bills put out there to stop uh, propaganda being used internally on the general public. It was never fully followed, obviously, but there were certain guidelines that kept it kind of restricted to a certain level, you might say. Since 9-11, uh, it, it, the big boys have been chomping it a bit to have total propaganda put out on all news across their countries, all, all the Western nations and so on. And, and some of them just went straight ahead because they had no restrictions. And, um, and they, in other words, it was business as usual with propaganda uh, of all kinds. And also in the U.S. they had to look at the bill again uh, to try and repeal an old, very old bill. They restricted them to an extent, only to an extent, because they've always used it. But um, if we look, for instance, uh, and people have no memory today because they're hit with so many terrifying things at once, you see, every other day. And uh, some people who supposedly oppose this stuff don't seem to help it much as they terrorize you as well. But uh, if you look into this, for instance, and people have forgotten all about it. It's from about 2013, I think, maybe, or maybe even earlier. But it was from Fox Nation. And they said, uh, back then, they said, uh, U.S. repeals propaganda ban and spreads government-made news to American, to Americans. Uh, by John Hudson, it says, For decades, a so-called anti-propaganda law prevented the U.S. government's mammoth broadcasting arm from delivering programming to American audiences. And what they meant was propaganda. But on July the 2nd, that came silent to an end with the implementation of a new reform passed in January. The result, an unleashing of thousands of hours per week of government-funded radio and TV programs for domestic U.S. consumption, in a reform initially criticized as a green light for U.S. domestic propaganda efforts. So what just happened? And he goes on to say, Until this month, a vast ocean of U.S. programming produced by the Broadcasting Board of Governors, such as Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, and the Middle East Broadcasting Networks could only be viewed or listened to at broadcast quality in foreign countries. The programming varies in tone and quality, but its breadth is vast, is viewed in more than 100 countries in 61 languages. The topics covered include human rights abuses in Iran, self-immolation in Tibet, human trafficking across Asia, and on-the-ground reporting in Egypt and Iraq. And it says here, as it goes on later on to, to that they repealed that, as I say, they repealed that the ban, basically. And then another article came out, um, the one who, who started this uh, propaganda uh, lifting of the, brand, of the propaganda ban, and that came out uh, and said, it says, um, Congressman seeks to lift the propaganda ban. He's the guy who brought it forward on behalf of his big masters. But it says, uh, it was posted on, May 18th, 2012, that's before that last article. And it says that an amendment that would legalize the use of propaganda in American audiences is being inserted into the latest defense authorization bill BuzzFeed has learned. 
amendment would strike the current ban on domestic dissemination of propaganda material produced by the State Department and the Independent Broadcasting Board of Governors, according to the summary of the law at the House Rules Committee's official website. The tweak to the bill would essentially neutralize two previous acts, and the acts are uh, the Smith-Mund Act of 1948 and Foreign Relations Authorization Act of 1987, They've been passed to protect U.S. audiences from our own government's misinformation campaigns. The bipartisan amendment is sponsored by Rep. Uh, Mac Thornberry from Texas and Republican Adam Smith from Washington State. In a little-noticed press release earlier this week, uh, buried beneath the other high-profile issues in the $642 billion defense bill, it's quite something, including indefinite detention and a prohibition on gay marriage at military installations, Thornbury warned that in the Internet age, the current law ties the hands of America's diplomatic officials, military and others, by inhibiting our ability to effectively communicate in a credible way. The bill's supporters say the informational material used overseas to influence foreign audiences is too good not to use at home, and that new techniques are needed to help fight al-Qaeda, a borderless enemy whose own propaganda reaches Americans online. Critics of the bill say there are ways to keep Americans safe without turning the massive information operations apparatus within the federal government against American citizens. And it says clearly there are ways to modernize for the information age without wiping out the distinction between domestic and foreign audiences, says Michael Shank, vice president at the Institute for Economics and Peace in Washington, D.C., their representatives Adam Smith and Mac Thornbury uh, want to roll back protections put in place by previously serving senators who, in their wisdom, ensured limits to taxpayer-funded propaganda uh, promulgated by the U.S. government is disconcerting and dangerous. I just don't want to see something that's significant, whatever the pros and cons, go through without anyone noticing, says one source in the Hill. Who's disturbed by the law? According to the source, the law would allow U.S. propaganda intended to influence foreign audiences to be used on the domestic population. The new law would give sweeping powers to the government to push television, radio, newspaper, and social media onto the U.S. public. It removes the protection for Americans, says a Pentagon official who's concerned about the law. It removes oversight from the people who want to put out this information. There are no checks and balances. No one knows if the information is accurate particularly accurate or entirely false. According to this official, a senior public affairs of, uh, officers within the government of, or Department of Defense want to get rid of Smith-Munt, as M-U-N-D-T, and other restrictions because it prevents information activities designed to prop up unpopular policies like the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Critics of the bill point out that there, there was rigorous debate when Smith-Munt passed and the fact that this is so under the radar, as the Pentagon official puts it, is troubling. The Pentagon spends some $4 billion a year to sway public opinion already, and as recently revealed by USA Today, the Department of Defense spent $202 million on information operations in Iraq and Afghanistan last year. In apparent retaliation to the USA Today investigation, the two reporters working on the story appear to have been targeted by Pentagon contractors who created fake Facebook and Twitter accounts in an attempt to discredit them. And it says the evaporation of Smith-Mont 
and other provisions to safeguard U.S. citizens against government propaganda campaigns is part of a larger trend within the diplomatic and military establishment. And that's true. Uh, they're targeting the regular people, too, within the U.S., including reporters, too. And this article goes on to talk about, it says, in December, remember this is back in 2012, the Pentagon used software to monitor the Twitter debate over Bradley Manning's pre-trial hearing. Another program being developed by the Pentagon would design software to create sock puppets on social media outlets. And last year, General William Caldwell deployed an information operations team under his command. They've been trained in psychological operations to influence visiting American politicians to Kabul. And then it goes on to say that uh, the U.S. Army whistleblower Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis noted recently in his scathing 84-page unclassified report in Afghanistan that there remains a strong desire within the defense establishment to enable public affairs officers to influence American public opinion when they deem it necessary to protect a key friendly center of gravity to wit U.S. national will, he wrote, quoting a well-regarded general. The defense bill passed the House Friday afternoon. So there you go. I mean, uh, there's nothing you can get in the news today and for quite a while now that actually uh, has any credibility either whatsoever or a little bit or you name it. It's just, it's all confusion. But most folk in the general population don't remember these bills and so on that were put out a while back. And uh, because, again, they're, they're bombarded with terrifying articles every day. And when you're under terror, you don't remember too much at all. You're in fear of your life half the time, uh, and so on and so on. So that's how the world really is run. Now, other countries like Britain don't bother about that because they've never uh, had any, really, any real bans on propagandizing the public for any particular, uh, in any era, actually. They, never, they don't have the various, uh, in fact, even their so-called um, Charter of Rights is kind of vague and oral, apparently, which means you can constantly stretch any way you want, depending on the time that you live in, is stretched by the, those in charge. Uh, but in the U.S., they have this thing that's been ignored for my whole lifetime, their Bill of Rights and all the rest of it. So... Um, but here you go. It's, the whole way is propaganda. But don't forget, and it doesn't mention it here, uh, that propaganda starts in school big time. Uh, when you get through a system uh, that's always been there to serve the nation uh, and not yourself, basically, and you're, whatever they want you to believe or how they want you to behave is drummed into you at a very early age with psychology or psychological techniques being used to the maximum. And even the videos that you watch, etc., influencing your behavior. You'll cry at certain things if you're a child when you see little furry animals getting killed or whatever. And then you're told who's doing it, and then you'll hate those people who they tell you is doing it, even though it might not be them at all. It's things like that. It's so easy to influence children. And with the group think that they have now in school class systems, where you all have to comply uh, to the established order of the group, in other words, the group is led, and we see the majority of the public are led by powerful, what they see as powerful authority figures. And if the teach, that teacher generally takes that position, uh, and therefore to please the teacher, most folk will comply and go along with it, saying, yeah, I like this person, and I'll comply and go along with their point of view. And they put their hands up, and if you put your, get your hand down, you're ostracized by the group. This is, this is not freedom at all. And it's not giving you, letting you, your own mind work for itself whatsoever. 
this is all wrong, but every country has copied this technique, of course, because it's so important in every, every generation you must indoctrinate heavily the children to serve the system as best as the masters of the system wanted to be served. Quite simple. Nothing new in this at all. But this, now it's all through the age groups. And again, going back to books I have here from the 1920s even, uh, they talk about perpetual uh, education. Uh, now this didn't mean you kept taking night courses after school for the rest of your life. Uh, it, was, it was talking about education through your entire life and updating you to the new system of belief on different topics uh, and so on and so on, well documented by the psychologists of the day and the social engineers of the day. And today you have everybody in the act, including the neuroscientists that are getting massive amounts of money thrown at them. And the behaviorists, of course, as always, anthropologists too, social anthropologists, all this kind of stuff works together. Now, another thing too, I've mentioned for so long, that really things haven't changed in the system you're living in to an extent. It's been more hidden in the past. The big corporations ruled your nations, and monopoly power rules the nations. The greatest example is always the U.S., because at one time we had far more media inside the U.S., down to the small media that wasn't a part of the CFR long ago, and they would write things as they were. Whereas in other countries like Britain, where the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the big uh, media moguls have always belonged to the same one group. They've always been in charge of whatever you're going to be told is happening for, well, you know, for instance, Inception, basically. In fact, going back to before they gave it that name, and they called it the Milner Group. So, uh, corporations really rule, rule your nations, uh, that, and they've always tried to hide behind a smoke screen to make you think you have rights, and so on and so on. But in the U.S., it leaks out, of course, many, over many, many years, down through the ages, uh, that, uh, for instance, he's an example, when the U.S. president said a long time ago that whatever's good for GM is good for America, and vice versa. Uh, that's how it filters into the, the consciousness of the population. And, and is that really true? Is that really true? You, you know, well, they're bail-ins they got uh, not long ago. Uh, now they're moving, they moved offshore and set up factories elsewhere with your cash. You paid for all. So that's the loyalty they show you for buying all their cars and trucks. And the rest of them are all the same too. So in international corporations, they have no affinity for any particular country. Uh, they'll generally have one main one they'll use more often because they want that country to go off and fight their wars for them and protect them when need be. And that's about it. That's what it comes down to. But you've always had this, this what we, we used to call corruption running uh, nations. The powerful psychopaths are getting in, and the elite who already are in, uh, the, the interbred elites, for instance, with the money uh, families, moneyed families, uh, they, they've always run the world for, them, for their own benefit, and for their countries, definitely for their own benefit. They decide what kind of education, indoctrination, and belief system you'll have in any particular time. And their wars were always, the foreign conquest was exactly that. They didn't pretend to go off to force democracy on countries like George Bush Jr. did, uh, revolutionary democracy called it. Uh, they went out there, uh, uh, and it was a pretense with Bush too, because he knew it was for plunder, for their oil fields and everything else that they had. And it goes on, it's been like that, the history of the world is just this, it's just greed, greed, greed by those at the top who want to maintain power by having more material goods and, and, and uh, financial uh, backup for their own families, etc. 
uh, that's really how it works. Now you have all the shareholders and on the Act too, big shareholders uh, who also m- want to make sure that uh, the governments do what the, the, the big corporations that they own uh, want to safeguard themselves, not you. You pay for all the work. You pay for replacing uh, bombed um, refineries across the Middle East, for instance. You pay for all of that. You make brand new ones for them. You put in new roads for the, the, the transportation, the oil for export and so on. You pay for all that stuff, and the big boys get all the profits. And they call, they call that good government, you see. They run the government. But, but they're better in some countries at hiding uh, corruption than other countries. Uh, part of it, again, is the incessant propaganda you get. In Canada here, you get very laid-back propaganda. It's almost infantile, uh, where they give you only a few well-known faces that you've been brought up with, and Daddy would never lie to you on the news. So you believe in them, like Mansbridge and people like that. Uh, and he would never lie to you. He looks you in the eye every night there at 6 o'clock. He'd, How can you be lying? And, of course, there dawns on most folk who have grown up with it that he doesn't even write the, the news, obviously. He just reads it. But anyway, and it's paid big bucks for, bucks for reading it and, and being so trustworthy, uh, you see. But uh, in, in other countries like the U.S., occasionally it comes out uh, of, of the corruption that's going on. They don't get the little folksy tales of different parts of Canada or Ontario or things like that that the CBC for Canada puts out, the government-paid uh, uh, news media a propaganda station uh, and they don't go into the, the deep, deep, deep corruption things that go on within governments, of course uh, they're all on board with uh, in a little clique uh, they'll, they'll play the game, you might say with those in control but in the States, sometimes it leaks out now here's one here and it says, and it, in the States too you, see, you also have politicians who let things out the bag if they have jealousy where they haven't got contracts, but some, some other politician or their families have got a contract that the government's putting out, you see. But one of the ongoing ones in the U.S., it always, it always crops up and fades away, is the Feinstein family and so on. And this one here was uh, October 16, 2014. It says, High Court clears the bullet train for California, but problems remain, you see. And uh, it says... Uh, California will forge ahead with plans to build the nation's first bullet train by buying land in the Central Valley and demolishing buildings in the path of the $60 billion rail line after the state Supreme Court decided not to hear an appeal from opponents of the project. There's democracy in action. We don't want to hear your appeal. The California Supreme Court's decision Wednesday to reject an appeal of a lower court ruling allowing General uh, Governor Jerry Brown's signature uh, transportation project to proceed was another win for the beleaguered project that suffered uh, repeated legal setbacks. Demolition and engineering work has already begun around Fresno, one of the hubs on the first 28-mile stretch of high-speed rail planned for the Central Valley, but the agency is far behind the schedule in acquiring all the land needed to actually begin construction, and the state has only found a fraction of the money needed before tracks will be installed. One of the arguments made by the plaintiffs, Kings County and landowners in Central Valley, was that the state failed to identify the funding for the first usable segment of the rail line, having only $6 billion of the estimated $26 billion needed for the first 130 miles. At Brown's request that the legislature this year approved the first permanent funding source for the project, setting aside a portion of the annual fees the state collects through carbon taxes. Interesting. In Britain... I knew old folk in Britain who always said, they'd learned their whole life that all the things that affect the world, 
like taxis, certain kinds that come in, special taxis, start in California. And that's what they'd say, that all major social cancers start in California and spread everywhere else. And it's so true, you know. Anyway, carbon taxes, a symbolic move that will deliver more money for real, but not billions a year. And this is how you can tie in why carbon taxes are important, because all these big multi-billionaires and trillionaires want uh, uh, all that cash to pay for the big projects, the big building projects. Dan Richard, chairman of the board of the California High Speed Rail Authority, said in a written statement Wednesday that the agency will build a modern system that connects the state, create jobs, or that will say creates jobs, and complies with the law. And they continue to move forward aggressively to deliver the nation's first high-speed rail system. He says, uh, decision uh, on Wednesdays uh, also concerned uh, concerns only one portion of plaintiff's lawsuit. In a second phase, still before a Sacramento County judge, attorneys will argue that compromises made to cut the price mean the bullet train won't be able to travel from San Francisco to Los Angeles in two hours and 40 minutes, as promised by in the ballot measure. The Third District Court of Appeal agreed with the plaintiff's complaint that there are legitimate legal concerns, etc., etc., this is Proposition 1A, approved in 2008, promised voters that the state would identify funding for the first usable segment of the rail line and it would uh, have necessary environmental clearances done before starting construction. Opponents argue that it has neither. The court's decision not to hear the appeal bodes poorly for all kinds of tax measures that go on the ballot because voters are going to say, how do I know they're going to do this? How can I trust what they say? Etc., etc. And I love the way they spin that even... In other words, uh, how can you trust them for pushing this through? Because the voters are going to say, how do I know they're going to do this? In other words, they don't mind the carbon taxes to pay for this big project. This project isn't theirs, folks. It belongs to the, the corporation, for God's sake. You know, see, see how they spin things a little bit there to obfuscate who's really behind it all? No, the, the, the voters aren't for this. They don't want to pay more taxes for anything, etc., etc., and then going back here again, 2013. Go back again. How did it all start? U.S. Senator Dan Feinstein's husband, Richard Blum, won the first phase construction contract for California's high-speed rail. And uh, this, is, uh, and this, this author says, I'm shocked, shocked, I tell you. Uh, it says, if I didn't witness the insanity and corruption in politics every day, I wouldn't have believed it. He's been facetious, of course. The Prini Zachary Parsons bid was the lowest received from the five consortia participating in the bidding process, but low was a relative term. The Lair Pierce, author of uh, California, wrote um, the, bird, the firm's bid $985 million, $1852,530, to build the well anticipated first section of high speed rail track that would tie the megapolis of Madeira to the global finance center of Fresno. Uh, to do the division, you'll find that the low bid came in at a mere $35 million per mile. <laughs> $35 million a mile, eh? Uh, where's the rest of it go, eh? All that $35 million, where's it go? Eh? And of course, that's the usual scam. As this fiasco progresses, uh, remember that this $35 million per mile represents the best California can do on the section of track the high on track speed rail authorities selected to go first because it would be the cheapest, Peter said. So it's all within the families of the politicians that run the state and, and, and parts of the federal government and so on and so on. And as I say, that was all done. And in that last article said the high court clears a bullet train 
but problems remain. So, uh, you know. Now, here's another one, too. It says, California readies pay-as-you-drive tax test coming soon to road near you. This fits in again with the Feinstein getting the contract and then the money to, to pay for it, too, because they always use the taxpayers' money to build their big projects for their own private enterprises. And that's nothing, there's nothing new in that. Britain was just a, a front. The, the whole idea of Britain, Inc. was a front for the British Empire, for, for, which simply worked and paid for all the big private corporations to grab all the stuff across the planet for themselves. And, and the taxpayer put in the armies and funded that and paid for all. And they put in, uh, and they supplied the soldiers too who got slaughtered and all that, and did the slaughtering. And they supplied the railroads that they'd lay down, etc., etc., so that the big uh, wealthy families could loot the countries, etc. But, but it's the same everywhere else. California readies to pay as you drive tax test coming soon to road near you. And that was October 17, 2014. It said it won't happen immediately or even within the next year, but not too far in the future you, may, you might pay a tax for every mile on your drive thanks to California. All cancers start in California, right? Three weeks ago, California Governor Jerry Brown signed into law the first test of mileage-based road taxes in the Golden State. The bill, which passed the state legislature with, with the backing of transit agencies, environmental groups, of course the environmental groups are all NGOs paid by the big corporations, uh, says, and most major automakers, because they're in the game too with all their chips in their cars and tracking the miles, create a 15-person panel to oversee a pilot of pay-by-the-mile taxation by 2018. So there you go. It's signed into law. The move makes California the largest state to explore how modern technology might replace the dwindling money from gasoline taxes used to build and maintain roads thanks to ever more efficient vehicles and less driving overall. Congress has been forced to fill the gap at the federal level with billions of dollars in temporary funding. In California, where residents pay 48.5 cents on the gallon in state gasoline taxes, worth more than $3 billion a year. The state has borrowed from the, those revenues in recent years to cover shortfalls elsewhere. They, they never use it whatsoever they claim it's for. These are for other things, including their own pensions and so on. Uh, and probably the, 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 bureaucrat, the bureaucrats and so on, and the politicians. On other states which have explored such systems, Oregon stands as the most advanced and with its plan to offer a voluntary pay-as-you-drive tax setup next year, offering 5,000 drivers a chance to pay 1.5 cents for every mile they travel in the state. Now remember, this is the, the racket they used to get the driving license through. For those who don't know, uh, it was voluntary initially to get a driving license because it was thought um, non-democratic, you see, this whole farce of democracy, if they forced it on you, restricting travel. So they made it voluntary. And the goody two-shoes used it as a snowmobile. Oh, I've, I've got mine. Yeah, oh, yes, I've got mine. And then they put in the voluntary insurance for the thing, travel. And that was voluntary for a long time before the government step, always steps in. Well, so many folk are now using that, so we're making it mandatory. Once you've got the majority in, then it's democratic, the, you know, it's mob rule, and, and the rest of the public are going along with it. So that's how it, it, it works. So it's voluntary, you see, because you're all, you're all dying to pay the carbon taxes, you know, because Al Gore wants to make more billions of dollars through his carbon credit companies and, and, and other ones too. And they're all child bank in Switzerland, the, the private one for the family. I've already got contracts for the, all that carbon taxes for the planets to go through their private bank. Because they're so altruistic, you understand. They're really philanthropists. They want to help you all. 
That's how they got stinking rich, by helping folk get slaughtered across the planet as they plundered it. Anyway, getting back to the article, it says, the voluntary patient drive tax system set up for next year offering 5,000 drivers a chance to pay 1.5 cents for every mile they travel in the state. And people say, well, you see, that's cheap. They always start things off as cheap till, till eventually they make it mandatory. And then they just jack it up and boot it up and boot it up like everything else they boot up. The Oregon system uses a pair of devices, one in vehicles and one in special fuel pumps that used GPS to track miles driven and then given uh, the appropriate credit or surcharge at the pump itself. Oregon also found that drivers in a test program paid 28% more than they would have used using fuel taxes alone. So there you go. They love the wee cons they put in there that you, don't, you can't figure out to you're paying more voluntarily. But the backers of Oregon's mileage tax system say the technology could be far less complicated and adoption far quicker. Thanks to services like Apple's iPay and in-car internet setup such as General Motors' OnStar, State Farm already has a pay-as-you-drive discount for its customers with newer Ford vehicles. They use Ford's Sync to automatically keep track of how far they've travelled, as Oregon officials imagine it. So that's why they put all that stuff in there, so you can keep track of how far you've travelled. I mean, yeah, that's stupid, you know how far you're travelling, when the miles are already pumped up there and reading off for you. Come on, it's, of course it's not. It's all put in for the purpose they're using it for now. That's what it was dreamed up in the first place. It says, uh, One envisions a time when all new cars will come equipped with mileage reporting capability. New car buyers will decide during the registration process where to activate the mileage reporting capability already installed into the car or add an external reporting device. They're all getting their cuts off, including the car manufacturers, you know. They'll also choose a provider for account management or default to government-managed accounts. Uh, motorists will then drive and periodically receive a bill by mail or email, which is their choice. See, they're giving you the appearance of choices here initially, you see, that may be bundled with other value-added services. I'm surprised they don't do a scratch and win as well, because that's how they usually get the public. Oh, you might win some. Motorists may check the bill details and pay online or by mail or authorize automatic payments from their smartphone and tablet device or the connected vehicle console in the dashboard of their car. Isn't that wonderful? You see, you know, you're finding out why all these things were given to you to buy. <laughs> Not given to you mandatorily because it's going to be the law. No, to buy. So you pay for everything and you think it's your, your choice, of course. Getting motorists the ability to choose their mileage reporting and bill payment preferences will make mileage reporting and per mile charge payments simple and comfortable, such as motorists define it. Isn't that a wonderful PR piece there? It says, if you think this sounds like another way for government to invade personal privacy, you're not alone. The American Civil Liberties Union has expressed concerns about unapproved tracking, and privacy was a top concern of those who took part in Oregon's trial. The California law requires the test panel to address privacy worries, but also says the system must must take into account public and private agency access, including law enforcement of any data it collects. That's not voluntary, is it? Uh, Movements may be a more personal form of data than even name and address. Where you live is a public record, but tracking someone's daily routine can reveal far more private information. There are already many ways businesses can do so. Every iPhone uh, running the latest uh, iOS 8 update has the ability to send location data to advertisers or remember a user's frequent location 
uh, and, and license plate scanning firms already have a billion plates on record. Chances are, given the technology on hand and the money at stake, California will devise a similar system to Oregon, uh, Oregon's that can satisfy some privacy, privacy complaints, perhaps by tracking odometers only, but is also easily adopted or adoptable by motorists. With 17% of all U.S. new car sales in the Golden State, and a need for road repair mimicked in most other states. You see, so they've already told you the money you pay for road repair doesn't go there from your, from your license plate taxes and everything else. It's used for other purposes. But they always give you the same rubbishy propaganda each time they want more dough, isn't it? Anyway, it's entirely likely that when it comes to taxing by the mile, the old saw is true. As California goes, so goes the nation. Actually, it's the world, as I say, especially with the political correct updates, too, for how you're supposed to view certain things and topics and all the rest of it, or else you're rather hateful and nasty. It's amazing, isn't it, the propaganda that we're just deluged with all the time. But these articles come out during all that the war blitzes uh, and, and the be scared of terrorism are blitzes. And all the, the terrorism movies and, and dramas are churning out all the time with the same repetitive stories and getting used to the same repetitive names uh, of groups, etc. Yada, yada, yada. It's just incessant. And we're, rush, we're rushing to remember through all the different free trade bills. Uh, and we're, we're going into CETA in Canada too as they update all the Pacific Rim free trade negotiations, etc., etc., etc. It's just... And, and so that, that's all, that all takes a back seat during this. Be scared of Ebola and be terrified of Al-Qaeda or ISIS or ISIS. Wait till Osiris comes. Aha, then you're in trouble. And so on and so on. Or even worse, eh? ISIS. It could be the truth. ISIS could be the mummy. If the mummy really appears, mama's pretty nasty, you know. Oh, yeah. Probably a little Horus, too. Eh? But we're conned and conned and conned in the public they forget all the important things they're reading tonight. Because what's happening reading tonight is to happen across all of America, including Canada, and eventually Latin America, all across Europe, you see, under the energy taxes and, ca- and carbon tax bills that have been put through everywhere, you see. Yeah. Everything today is on a world scale. I remember to what von Rompuy said, the head of the EU Parliament, nobody elected him because it's so democratic. He said that it was the end of the nation. The end of the nation states, he said, were, were obsolete. And they are obsolete, for those who don't quite get it yet. The few countries that are standing out and against this, this world monopoly are, are being bombed under into, you know, antiquity right now, into the Stone Age. Have been for a while. Have been for a long time. But the idea, too, isn't just that. They're also wanting to put chips in. They've got chips in some uh, fuel pumps for your cars. And the chips will also uh, monitor how much you're using. And if they want to switch that off, by the way, if you're not paying all these taxes and so on, uh, bingo, you can't. You ain't going to go anywhere. This choice for you, isn't it? Choice. Well, see, whatever the big boys want, they get. But they do tell you in advance what they're after through the, all the different organizations that they run through their front organization called the United Nations. And the big foundations owned by the big corporate owners and so on that fund all the non-governmental organizations are always protesting to get all these things through and are paid well at the top for it, uh, by, again, by their, the foundation's money and often backed up by government's uh, money too, by the way. 
your tax money. Uh, they get what they want. They, they do publish so many articles. It's a full, it'd be a full-time job just trying to keep up with two or three foundations in a year. Uh, and and no, no mind all, all, the, all the thousands of NGOs that are all connected together to make you think there's a lot of different choices amongst the NGOs. No, there's not. Many of them get all get funding from the same few foundations, these NGOs. And many of the foundations they have, like these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of foundations, are simply fronts to distribute the cash to the NGOs from the main foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation. That's the real world. Not Ebola, be terrified, you know. And, and not, not terrorism everywhere. Oh, be terribly terrified. Oh, and so on. We live in a, a fool's paradise. It's a fool for those who watch TV and nothing but fiction all the time because they can't handle uh, the stress in life and they don't want to look in, into what, why they're feeling all this stress and so on. So they go into fiction. And then they're getting completely downloaded with propaganda that's embedded in all of fiction. Ah, oh dear. Sad life, isn't it, for an awful lot of people. Awful lot of people. But all these techniques have been used for an awful long time on the general populations, and they don't even know it. And we've been funding all the behaviorists, neuroscientists, and so on, for so long now to alter our way of behaving, our way of thinking or reasoning, and so on. The most folk literally can't reclaim themselves and find out who they should have been. Uh, remember what Aldous Huxley said, and I've said this so many times on the air that many other hosts have parted it and keep parting it. In fact, they use my archives all the time. But the thing is, Huxley said on a Mike Wallace interview um, a long time ago, he said, um, the scientific elite with the powered elite, the dominant minority, you see, and the moneyed minority, um, he said, together, he said, can convince whole peoples, whole nations to do things and accept things that they pro- possibly they should not accept. Today, with the propaganda being so perfect, you don't have much choice but to go along with it, you see. Oh, you're a bad person. Or they'll, they'll give you these nasty terms like haters, like calling you a Nazi or something. That's the intention of it. All the, nothing is lost in history. And anything that's been used successfully after events can be slapped upon you. Because there's no, how can you, how can, it gets off the topic, you see. It's a smear, it's a slur. And and you wouldn't listen to a Nazi or you wouldn't listen to whatever. It's okay to listen to a communist because they've never ever bashed, bashed the Bolsheviks and the communists for, for the slaughtering millions of people. But um, I should tell you an awful lot, by the way. But they'll use other, other terms to, to just knock you down if you don't go along with certain um, social things that they're getting rammed down your throats today, you see. Um, and, and hater and all that. How can you have a, 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 a proper debate about anything when you're, you're constantly smeared with something from the very beginning of your talk? It's impossible. And that's why they use these terms, you see. As, as Lenin said too, this is we shall win by slogans. They put out the the slogans that are for something, you see, but they also put out the smears for anybody who who can see through the cons of the slogans. Everything's like this, and you're living through this on a daily basis. How many of you have forgotten already of the topics I started with? But the bills to allow propaganda to to be used internally from all areas of government and agencies and pentagons and so on. 
You see, you're bombarded with so much information today, you can't keep track. And you've got to keep track of the main things, not all of it, obviously, but the main things which are affecting you personally and designed to hit you personally. Don't forget them. The mind has no firewall, they say. Be careful what you watch in fiction, unless you're watching it to analyze it. Don't get caught up in the motive story. Now, everyone, everyone forgets what they've learned before about Agenda 21, the Millennium Project, all these different terms for the same thing, Sustainability Project, etc. Uh, and you're meant to forget all of that stuff. Uh, that's how you also get someone off the right track, is by terrifying them afterwards with many other things until they forget it, literally. And they do, they'll forget it until you bring it up in their presence. But don't forget, Agenda 21, how to get that essential vehicles only are eventually to be on the road. Agenda 21, too, into austerity, teaching you to go into austerity in a post-consumerist, post-producing society. Because everyone's made in China, and your masters made that all happen, too. All your national heroes made that happen, because you're taught to worship them, uh, all the top politicians. Anyway... That's part of it. Get you off the roads, essential vehicles only, gradually, 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 until only the extreme wealthy can afford them. There'll be an, an exception for certain classes of people, you see. Uh, an essential, again, they'll, they'll get their little license to be an essential vehicle only. Well, it's from my corporation, you see, and so on. Or you might even get one for the cleaner once in a while. I, I clean the corporate, or corporate offices, you know, things like that. But anyway, you're conned by so many different techniques, as I say, you can't keep up unless you keep your mind focused and switch off when you're being terrified by stuff that's deliberately designed to literally, psychologically terrify you. And it, a lot of it is, now that they've repealed all the internal propaganda uh, bills that they've had in the past, especially in the U.S. For Canadians, we get most of our propaganda via the U.S. through the Canadian uh, CBC. Because we're all working together and it saves Canadians money. Uh, getting prog- the Americans pay for all the propaganda that was put to Canadians. So uh, that's more money for the, for the big boys in politics here to use for themselves. Now, one, te- one of the many techniques, now I've, I've gone through psycholinguistics into neurolinguistics. These should be called psycholinguistics and so on. Now it's neurolinguistics. And, and uh, this is it's such a vast field. It's a whole field of study in itself. It's really a profession in itself. Uh, but I've given you different clues and tips on how it works and so on in the past. And people should go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com archive section and, and go really through so many of the talks I've, I've given in the past because many other hosts have been using them all the time and people who work with these hosts tell me they're always using these archives of mine. And go into alanwattsentinel.eu and you'll find lots of stuff there too. But one technique that's used, and here's, here's the key. You see, they can scatter information out there, but don't connect it for you. Uh, every study that's done on humanity comes from big grants from your government, government agencies, even Pentagon, uh, and also the foundations, often matched by taxpayers' money. Because after all, if people have their own minds, governments couldn't really rule you as they do today. It couldn't happen. It simply couldn't happen, folks. 
they get, you think you're, you're ruling yourself because you can buy. One, one woman actually said that I'm free. I can go out shopping and buy whatever I want. And that was her definition of freedom. But that also works with a lot of the public. Well, I can buy my iPhone. I can buy this and I can buy that. And that's my, I can communicate to all these. And, and probably it's sock puppets are communicating too most of the time. And they don't know it. They still think they're free, you see. If they forced a computer on you and they forced the iPhone to track you and they forced uh, all this upon you, not voluntary, initially voluntary uh, carbon taxes per mile, if they forced it down your throat, you, your backs would be up and there'd be a movement to start up. So they always say, I'll be voluntary to start with, you see, to start with. The same con was used with Obamacare. Oh, you got to pay it, or you got to pay it, go to your prison, go to, oh, pay it, or go to your prison. And then they softened it to, oh, well, you got to pay it and go on, or, 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 or you pay a fine the first year. Knowing darn well, it gives the appearance of choice to the people. Oh, well, I'll pay the smaller fine this year rather than pay the big high cost of the insurance. It gives you the appearance of choice. Appearance. But there's no choice at all. This is called double bind in psychology and in neuroscience. And it's part of neuro-linguistics, which work on psycholinguistics, you see. And uh, it says, The double bind is an emotionally distressing dilemma in communications in which an individual or group receives two or more conflicting messages, and one message negates the other. You see? gives the appearance of, of you've got the choice to respond to one or the other. But, that, but both of them are important. That's how they're put across to you. Both are important but they conflict with each other. So this, this creates a situation in which a successful response to one message results in a failed response to the other, and vice versa, so that the person will automatically be wrong regardless of response. The double bind occurs when the person cannot confront the inherent dilemma and therefore can neither resolve it nor opt out of the situation. It's the law. It's the law. Choose. And double bind theory was first described by Gregory, Gregory Bateson and his colleagues in the 1950s. Now, these guys all got their grants because they were going, they were, it was going into neuro-linguistics and how to control populations and con you and all the rest of it. But that's why these studies are done, folks. That's why they're done. They're very old techniques. They're used all the time on you. Double binds are often utilized as a form of control without open coercion. Voluntary, it could be voluntary, right? The use of confusion makes them both difficult to respond to as well as to resist. And that's why they never spell out exactly. Folk were terrified of Obamacare coming in thinking, I've got prison maybe, as I've heard through the rumor mill, or, 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 you know, or even worse. That's why they, they deliberately put this stuff out and, and obfuscate it. They don't, don't give you all, all that you need to know to make a choice, you see. This is makes them both difficult to respond to as well as to resist. It's a law. A double bind generally includes different levels of abstraction in the order of messages, and these messages can either be stated explicitly or implicitly within the context of the situation, or they can be conveyed by tone of voice or body language. Further complications arise when the frequent double binds are part of an ongoing relationship to which the person or group is committed. You found that too and those who followed communism in the Soviet countries. Because in the Stalin era especially, uh, Stalin was supposed to be the ultimate person who could decipher Marx's writings. 
as there was, and it's supposed to be a science, remember. This whole thing was meant to be a science. Now, science, uh, true empirical science has to be tested over and over with the same experiment done many times over, and you're always coming up with the same result to be a science. But really, what was really a, a, um, a con movement to begin with, getting the masses to, to, to rise up, to out, out an, uh, an elite group, to put an, in another elite group in, that's really what it was, with a population who then would be conned that they're all working f- almost free, in fact, for a future utopia, meaning massive profits for the elites who then ruled. That's how it was put across there. It was a great con. Because we're always looking for utopias, and people always follow something that gives them hope of a utopia, or even hope itself. That's what all the conology and, and pharma is about, pills for everything. And you get the same with a so-called opposing force, which really isn't opposing at all. This is all the same marketing strategies to terrify you uh, of, of getting dying by diseases. And here's, here's the cure. You eat this grass that's been used for a thousand other things in the past. Uh, so it says here, Double-bind theory is more clearly understood in the context of complex systems and cybernetics because human communication and the mind itself function in an interactive manner similar to ecosystems. Complex systems theory helps us to understand the interdependence of the different parts of a message and provides an ordering in what looks like chaos. This is so well understood, folks, by all the big marketing companies uh, and especially the ones that are employed by government agencies to put things across to you. It's also taught to public relations officers from all departments, from even your local police, uh, etc. Uh, the, the public, the PR person is taught this kind of stuff to deliberately make things um, weakly uh, diffuse so you can't get an actual definite answer on anything uh, where you should or should not do something, you see. But it says, uh, a double bind is often misunderstood to be a simple contradictory situation where the subject is trapped by two conflicting demands. And I've gone through the, the, the whole thing too uh, about um, uh, the experiments I've done in Yale and other, other places, Stanford and so on, the prison experiments and so on, and, and the one they did, did as well with the, the shocking of people. People thought they were being told to sh- put massive shocks through subjects by an author- and were given the, the orders by an authority figure to find out if they would comply or not. But this is also, also the double bind thing comes into that. The person who thinks he's applying real shocks to someone who's really an actor has the conflict in their own heads of what they knew, know they should not do. And, and, and this, this thing of obeying authority, the need to obey authority, and the authority figure would then take the blame for things. That's how the, the simplicity of the mind, that's how armies function. That's why armies will always slaughter whoever they're told to slaughter, regardless of Geneva Conventions or anything else. It doesn't matter whose army it is, by the way. As long as the officer's in charge, give them the order, and even make it explicit, I'll take it beyond my head, etc., even though it's never on the officer's heads. It's on yours. But anyway, it says, and who or what imposes these demands upon the subject? Unlike the, the usual no-win situation, the subject has difficulty in defining the exact nature of the paradoxical situation in which he or she is caught. The contradiction may be unexpressed in its immediate context and therefore invisible to external observers, only becoming evident when a prior communication is considered. Typically, a demand is imposed upon the subject by someone who they respect, such as a parent, teacher, or doctor. It could be a professor or anything in an experiment, you see. The demand itself is inherently impossible to fulfill because some broader context forbids it. Your cultural indoctrination, you see. 
It says, for example, this situation arises when a person in a position of authority imposes two contradictory conditions, but there exists an unspoken rule that one must never question authority. Which is what your government uses on you all the time. Well, it's voluntary, but it might not be. Uh, what? <laughs> what? And it says, Gregory Bates and his colleagues defined a double bind as follows, and he goes through different examples of a double bind. Although they're giving you very simplistic ones here, such as parents who tell the child to be silent, and then they understand if the child replies, he's, he's just spoken back to the parent. He's speaking back to them, you see. Uh, things like that, very simple ones, but they don't mention for the real, the, the, the real purpose here was to find ways to put things over on the public. That's what all these studies are about, folks. When I was small, I realized that all this testing on mice that would come out on science programs was nothing about seeing about how if we can train mice to go and work in the mines or something. This was all to do with if it works on one species of mammal or whatever, could it work on others? It was all to do with us, ultimately, you see. All these experiments and all these animals are about us. How to control us, manipulate us, retrain us, and constantly update us, in fact, into new trainings, without us knowing. So, the technique here, again, of double bind, and one of the simplest examples to give you here is to do with, um, here it says, uh, a punishment may include the falling off, the, 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 the withdrawing of love. And you can do the same thing with, with the group's withdrawal of acceptance uh, of you if you don't go along with the group. When the teacher says, what do you think, folks? Knowing darn well, most of them will go along with the teacher. One person says no. They get ostracized. It's called shunning even in some, some religions. They, the, the group shun you. The expression of hate and anger or abandonment resulting from the authority figure's expression of helplessness. A secondary injunction is imposed on the subject conflicting with the first at a higher and more abstract level. For example, you must do X, but only do it because you want to. It is unnecessary for this injunction to be expressed verbally. If necessary, a, a tertiary injunction, third one, is imposed on the subject to prevent them from escaping the dilemma. So they don't want you to even escape a dilemma. This is to see if, how to ultimately make you do what elites want you to do, including the scientific elite or any propaganda elite, like global warming, climate change, carbon taxes, yada, yada, yada. You understand? They actually, they corral you in. They lock the door that you get in. They tell you you're free at the same time. And then they put in a third dilemma to stop you escaping the primary dilemma. Well, you can go in there voluntarily, but, but, but if you don't go in, you might get shot. Huh? What? What? You see what I'm saying? These are the cons that go on all the time throughout society, every day actually, especially from government institutions. And you can't fathom it out. So what you do is you seek out advice from other parties that are already established for you to get the advice from, and that's the route that you'll take, because otherwise you'll break down trying to figure it out through fear, if I don't comply, etc., etc. That's only one little technique out of thousands and thousands that are used upon you from your birth. <laughs> sad, isn't it? Very, very sad. That's how easy it is to manipulate billions of people across the world. Every country uses them. 
That's why all science departments across the world all meet annually and so on and exchange their information and, and that's what their year they exchange all these informations and, and have their trips from scientists from China and elsewhere or visiting you and vice versa. Quite something, isn't it? Getting back to what Austin Huxley said, they could actually manipulate the people into accepting something that perhaps they shouldn't accept in their own interests or for their own interests. They shouldn't accept it or their better interests. It's happened out your whole life long. Your whole life long. And of course all these changes that they put you through even socially are done to make life more tolerable, etc. for everyone. Even though what they force upon you might be intolerable for you. If you find some sort of thing disgusting or whatever it happens to be, you're not allowed to be disgusted anymore. Only certain people are allowed to be offended. In fact, you're not allowed to be offended. If you're offended, you're hateful. It's all psychology, folks, and behavioristic techniques used upon you. And you don't even know they're using them upon you, even in the arguments. Think for yourself to reclaim your mind. Because believe it or not, there's no point in joining a group unless you have a mind of your own. If you join a group, you generally lose your mind of your own. They have their tenets of belief and their, their rules. And uh, unless you stick up with the rules and keep up with the rules, uh, out you go. You're ostracized. And because you've lost, you have to go, you have to put your mind at the door, leave your brain at the door when you go into that meeting, you see. That's what the, the, the system of communism was about, as I say. When only Stalin said, he, oh, he, only he understood it. So everyone around Stalin had to say, well, I don't really, I can't really figure it out, you see. But he knows where he's taking us, so I have to accept on faith. He knows where he's going, and I believe him. That's how it works, you see. Very simple. Simple trick. A long time ago, Bertrand Russell said the same thing, many, many moons ago. They train the public to believe in nothing but experts, not even their own deductions. They, they only believe experts. And that's, we've been there your whole life now. Yep. Can't have an opinion of your own by your own deductions. No, 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 no. Your own reasoning. Can't trust your own reasoning. If you're a sentient being, and everything's working properly, you're darn right you have a right to think for yourself, decide for yourself, and say what you want about things around you. Nothing should be taboo. Nothing should be taboo. Zilch. No matter how much mud or feces or whatever else is thrown upon you, you should say whatever you want as a sentient being. Doesn't mean you're a nasty little sod that goes out looking to create trouble for the trouble's sake just to get noticed. But to be a real sentient, sane person, you should be allowed to have your views and opinions on anything. Of course you must. After all, all those who want you to change and update you all the time into new systems of belief and behavior and all the rest of it demand that you accept and, and, and go along with these changes and, and change yourself along to, to suit it. They demand it. So what gives them the, the special God-given right to do that to you, but you can't give your own opinions back? No, to true equality would mean you could say whatever you wanted to say. And if something is nonsensical or, or totally manipulative, then you should be able to say so. And don't believe for a minute the professions are free of this 
All of a sudden, the global warming, all the top scientists are all in a heavy, big payroll. And human nature is not like some old black and white uh, Abraham Lincoln movie made by Disney. Because uh, that's where everything, all fantasy belongs is in Disneyland, not in reality. Human nature is corrupt, basically. And folk do know where their bread is buttered and who butters it for them. And when it's getting heavily, heavy slabs of bread and heavy slabs of butter, they ain't going to they, they, they contradict it with it on the big paycheck. No way, no way. That's the simplicity of human nature. But anyway, I hope you're surviving. As I say, hold on to your sanity. Think for yourselves. Because un- unless you reclaim your mind, you've got nothing. You're part of somebody else's philosophy. From Hamish Marcella from Ontario, Canada, where, of course, it's freezing naturally. And after a whole year of rain, constantly day and night, day and night, day and night, pretty well. With the odd exception, it's going into flurries now and snow, early snow. It's going to be a bad, bad winter because this rain will turn into the heaviest winter we've had yet. It's bad enough last year. And this is, this is the heavy manipulation of aerial spraying uh, with the chemtrails and weather modification. And all the rest that goes along with it. That's another story, as I say. I've talked about it so many times before. I won't talk about it again. But uh, this is how the sciences run the world today. It isn't just your mind. It's the whole physical reality around you that's being run with very high advanced sciences. Most folk won't accept it. They won't believe it. And that's fine. Their indoctrination is too perfect. They expect the media that's on board with the chronology uh, as part of the system. Uh, to, to do the reasoning for them, like Brzezinski said, they've been trained. That's, he said they'd be trained back in the 70s to, to uh, think that the media will do the reasoning for them and warn them about things. And it's, it's been done effectively. They, they really do. Or as Adolf Hitler said, if you're going to lie to the public, tell a, a big lie. Because that which person will tell a small lie, but they go into disbelief for someone to actually purposely lie on a massive scale. Because you wouldn't do it, you see. You would tell a small lie. We're so well understood, it's, it's scary, folks. And it's terribly sad. And it's even sadder to me to watch millions of people walk around thinking that they're making all their own decisions when they're not at all. That's even sadder. From Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.